for the next contestant on The Price is Right. Well, this, it's, the price is close. That's right. That's true. Okay. As we get started today, um, let's open in prayer. I'll give the first praise report I had last week. I did something to my foot. Oh, look at her. She's always helping me with my glasses. I did something to my foot, and I think it was a stress fracture. You know, I'm a, I'm a doctor by trade, and so that's what I diagnosed it as. I'm usually just as good as the doctors, to be honest. And so, um, yeah. Without the, without the student loans. And so, that's right. And so, um, I um, came to prayer yesterday, and I had to have a band on my foot. I couldn't find shoes that I could wear. My foot was swollen. I mean, Mike knows. It was like I had one gigantic fat foot swollen all the way to my ankle. I mean, couldn't put any pressure on it at all. And so, you know, that wasn't going to do because we're going to Mexico next week. It was just going to be, a, it was going to be bothersome. And so, at prayer, so you don't come to prayer I mean, y'all go to the doctor. You know, I mean, I, I didn't have to pay no office visit, no copay. I didn't have to pay for any prescription meds, nothing. And so they laid hands on my foot, and I was like, you know, and I'm not, a, I'm not just a, like a, a gimme kind of person. I mean, I believe in healing. But I believe that things that are real are real, and I don't have to make them real when they're real, right? And so um, they prayed for me, and then I was like, I got to notice in my foot, and it felt like, Icy hot on it. You know what I mean? And I thought, and I thought, did I put icy hot on it? No, I didn't put nothing on it. I had a bandage on it. Amen. And I thought, hmm. And then I had a shoe on. I had the biggest shoe I had on that was, you know, that would be big enough for my bandage. And so I was like, I think my shoe's loose with the bandage. So that meant the swelling was down. And I was like, and then I started walking around. I was like, I couldn't bend my toes. I was like, I'm bending my toes now. I was like, that's good. I was like walking around going. And so... By the end of the day, I mean, my foot is completely not swollen at all. I have no bandage on it. have my heels on. Now, I can touch the... I nearly fell. I'm going to have another problem in a second. I can touch the top of my foot, and it's slightly tender, slightly tender. So, and that's what, you know, when we were... How many, you know, when William Wood was here to ask if you're 30% better? You know, I started thinking about that. I thought, what is that? You know, and so I thought Sunday morning, what percentage am I better? I thought, I'm 80% better. Now, many times, we, that percentage thing may have thrown some people because we have this mentality that if it's God, it's 100% and it's done. And if it's not 100%, it's not God, so it's not done. But that's not how we operate. How many of you, when you feel a cold coming on, you're 100% sick at that moment when you declare it? You're not. You'll say, I feel, you'll go, I feel a cold. How sick are you? Oh, about 10%. But what all you're doing is in the opposite direction. You're proclaiming the neck. You're just giving faith to the cold, and you're just bringing it on. I'm 10% sick. And then pretty soon you're like, well, now I'm getting, I'm a little tired now. Now you've moved on up to about 50 until finally you're 100% laying in the bed. You just claimed it all the way. You, you, you prophesied it you said I, I give it I give it declaration I recognize it I agree with it and then you come into another level of agreement this is how all of y'all get sick don't lie to me and tell me it's not so right well that's true of course and so in the same way that you can come into agreement with sickness and go all the way with sickness till you're laying on your back 
I can come into agreement with healing in any variety and bring it all the way to completion. And as I announce 10% is 10%, and there's faith that elevates there. And my faith might elevate your faith. It brings the elevation of faith in the room. You're doing the same thing with sickness. You can, you know, as your faith is, so be it unto you. Most of us use faith for the negative things in our life way more proficiently than we do for the positive. Is this true or not? That's just my, that's my testimony. So as we start today, when you are prayed for and you are there and you sense, I'm a little better. What you do at that moment, you don't have to say I'm 100% healed. You say exactly, I am a, I, I want to testify, I'm a little better. Amen. And you know what you do? You come into agreement with the better. Amen. And then the next thing you know, you might be a little better. Just like when you're with sick. See, it's a work sick. It's when you say I'm a little sick. And then you're a little more sick. And it, so, yeah, anyway, so that's what. So how many of you believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works within you? How many of you believe that if you'll just start coming into agreement with the work he's already done in you, that that work will be, what does it say about him? To him who is faithful to complete it. I've just, let's see. Now unto him who is able. no. That he who has begun a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Bring it to its end. So see, this is what we believe. This is what we're called. We're people of faith. Right. And so, see, this morning I stand before you 95% better. But where am I heading? That's right. See, she's on a 75% climb. I mean, you know, and percentages are funny, aren't they? Any, we can throw out a percentage for anything, can't we? But that's so it's okay. It's the kind of math we can all do, right? We, it's up to you. What is your percentage or better? Are y'all going to sit back there? Gosh. I had a dream last night that I was, this is my dream. I dreamt this last night that I was walking to the back table and I was talking to the people back there. It'd be easier if y'all weren't at the back table. I don't call on you, Randall. You got your hand raised at the back of the room. If this was your classroom, you wouldn't call on you either. Goose and gander, baby. Goose and gander. Yeah, let's go, Ray. Who's he? William? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. Uh-huh. There you go. He's on a percentage climb. You know what I mean? Instead of you've been on a percentage decline for how long? But on oh, decline for years. 
but now he's on a percentage climb. See, that's the reality. It didn't take you one fell swoop to get in the mess you got in. And it might not take you one fell swoop to get out. Andy, okay. That's it. It was. Prayer meeting was good stuff, wasn't it? Sunday morning on Saturday morning. They need to come on, I'm telling you. Yes. Oh, of course. Yeah, we... Mm-hmm. That's right. Just say that's enough. You know, um, the reality is, is whenever drug commercials started advertising drugs online, it was the sickening of America. And the reason it is, is because, you know, we often say, well, why did Adam live so long? And Eve, you know, this is just Andrea. This is just, this is just funny. This is what I think. It's because they didn't have 10,000 ways to die. They didn't know 10,000 ways to die. Y'all have all been programmed with a million ways to die. A pain comes up, you can go, I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can watch drug commercials, and before, you're, you're just watching a nice little Hallmark show. And they target, old people watch Hallmark, and so the drug commercials target the Hallmark channel for the old people that have all these chronic ailments, and they just make suggestions. Do you have this? Then you might need this. And do you have this? Then you might need this. And pretty soon you're like, man, I probably am. I probably, and so you just, it's just planting those seeds. When those drug commercials come on, I try not to watch any commercials, but I just ignore them. I try to get up and go do something. I don't need you suggesting to me Amen. what might be wrong with me. That's right. That's right. So, well, of course, then you're going to need medicine for your medicine. I'm getting off. We got to go, y'all. Lord Jesus, let's just pray. Get me out of this trench. God, help me, Lord. God, I pray that you would give me words to speak, God, like apples of gold and settings of silver, Lord. I ask, God, that you would open our ears to hear, God, our eyes to see, God. Let our minds be receptive in Jesus' name. Revelation 11 and 1. Then a measuring rod like a staff was given to me, saying, Get up and measure the temple of God in the altar and count those worshiping in it. That's John is telling, the angel is telling John in the book of Revelation 11 and 1, Get up and measure the temple of God and the altar and count those worshiping in it. I wonder... As I look at this, I'm reminded, I wonder why the Lord gave me that dream last night. It's funny. I'm just now getting it. As I, um, as I look at that, that's a clear senses, isn't it? Measure the temple and the altar and count those worshiping in it. Count those that are in the temple. Count those that are in the what? Know you not that your body is the temple of God and that we many members make up one body, which is the temple, right? And so that temple we know is Christ, right? 
because he said that I will, he said that this temple will be torn down and I will resurrect it in three days. But he spake of the temple of his body, right? So we know that his body, so looking on a corporate level, the body of believers is a temple. So count those worshiping in the temple. A census. Now, how many of you remember any other senses in the Bible? Very good. A census, not really, kind of. That's just a, but another, there's two major senses in the Bible. There you go. There's a census that drove the whole land to Jerusalem. God used a government and a tax to drive the whole land to where he wanted them because there was a baby that needed to be born in a manger in the house of Bethlehem. But the census I'm talking about was the first one that you said there. David took it upon himself to count the troops. It was so much a no-no that Joab, and if you know anything about Joab, you don't go to Joab for righteous counsel. You go to him for bloodthirsty events. Joab was a mean dude. He was, he would, he'd kill you before he talked to you. That's just the way he was. And so Joab so knew that taking a census was not of God, he warned David not to do it. Now, why would it be wrong for him to count his military? What, what was it? He's trusting in his own natural strength. And this is the covenant people of God. And they are not called to rely on the arm of the flesh. They are called to rely on God. But David's starting to shift his focus to himself because he's so strong. And he wants to check how strong he is. And it causes a plague in the land where the end result of that plague ends in great mercy. Do you know what the great mercy was? There was a threshing floor that was owned by a man named, he had two names, two translations of the same man, Arana, A-U-A-R, something A-N-A, and Oran, O-R-A-N. So you'll see them. It's the same person, different transliterations of the same name. And two, maybe Aramaic or Hebrew. And so this man was a Gentile. He was a Jebusite because Jerusalem was not Jerusalem at this time. Jerusalem was Jebus because this was still outside of Jerusalem. And so David, after he numbered the troops... He's given an opportunity to stay the plague that's go ripping through the entire nation because of his pride and his arrogance of forsaking the covenant and not relying on God. And so he buys Arana's threshing floor. Arana says, I'll just give it to you, David. And David makes some of the, the most spectacular statement in the word of God. He said, far be it from me to offer the Lord a sacrifice which costs me nothing. 
he poured that one out because it was too great a sacrifice that the men gave their life for. So we look at that and we understand that he purchased Arana's threshing floor for the full price and it stayed the plague. How many of you know what Arana's threshing floor is to this day? It's the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount, Arana's threshing floor. A place of separation. A place of separating chaff, also idealized in the New Testament as flesh, from wheat, that which is spirit and useful. They that walk in the flesh cannot please God. And so he says he will thoroughly purge his threshing floor with unquenchable fire. That's the cleansing of his house. His threshing floor is his temple. See, he's not interested in a church who relies. See, when you, let me just break it down a little bit if you don't know how to thresh. You take the wheat. Wheat is encapsulated in a hard outer shell, right? The actual wheat is inside. You stick that thing in your mouth and you're, with the shell on it. It's like how many of you enjoy eating sunflower seeds that way? I hate sunflower seed because you got to do the work in your mouth. You, what you're doing, you're threshing in your mouth. You're separating. Yeah, it might be a good exercise for some of us. <laughs> Your thresh of sunflower seed, that's an easy thing for us to understand. It's in the kernels in there. The shell's not edible, is it? And so you have to thresh it. And you spit out the seed, and you keep that tiny little seed for all your work. I don't understand people who eat sunflower seeds in the shell. There's something wrong with you. <laughs> Something's wrong with you. Gosh, anyway. That's right, got you. There you go. Keeps you awake when you're driving long hours, right? Okay, so anyway, that's threshing. So in that biblical days, what they would do is they would gather the wheat and it had all the shell on it. And so what they would do is they would lay it out in the threshing floor. The threshing floor is an elevated area. And if you've ever been to Israel, the Temple Mount is an elevated area and then it's flat on top. How flat is the Temple Compound Mount? It is as flat. It's like, wow, that's a perfect threshing floor. It's huge. They would lay the wheat out on the threshing floor. And then the oxen. That's what I'm doing. I'm just an oxen this morning, y'all. That's the work. That's the teaching. That's the teaching ministry is the ministry of the oxen. See, that's right. This is the aleph. It's the strength. And so the oxen then walks on the wheat and breaks the shell. That's all I'm doing this morning is I'm walking on the wheat. And I'm trying to get the worthless parts of your life broken off so that you can be beneficial, not to me, not to this church, but to the kingdom. And then you'll be beneficial to this church and even to me. 
but not to me. See, I'm not the primary. You see that? Then we're all beneficial to one another. And so then what happens, that's the threshing. It's the breaking. The oxen's hooves tear the chaff off of the wheat in the breaking process. That's why the Bible says don't muzzle the ox while it treads the corn. That's why Paul used it in the New Testament and said a workman's worthy of his hire. Preachers make too much money. You're antichrist. The workman's worthy of his hire. How many of you work and expect to get paid? Just asking for a friend. Well, absolutely. So that's why it says, so what's saying there, don't muzzle the ox while it treads the corn. Let the ox eat because he's doing the work. And this also says in another proverb, where, the, where there is no ox, the stall is clean. But much increase comes by strength of the ox. What does that mean? Sometimes when you get the oxen in the room and the teaching ministry and the word ministry is going forth, things start getting broke off of people, it gets real messy in the place. I can't help it that your daggum shell is so hard. I've been sharpening my hooves all week. So then, after that, they take the winnowing fork, a pronged instrument, kind of like a pitchfork, but not quite as heavy because the handle is wood and it's more lightweight because, you know, you don't want to make your job harder than it needs to be, right? So they take the winnowing fork and they throw it in under the threshed wheat. And then they would throw it in the air. And just biology worked. The wheat, the germ, the kernel is heavier. And so it falls down to the threshing floor. And the wind blows the chaff. And if you know how to thresh right, which they did, the wheat would pile up in a beautiful pile and the chaff would pile up in another one. Isn't that cool? And then they would go over and they would burn the chaff and they would leave the wheat. And then what would they do with the wheat after that? They would take it into the barns. They would use it for whatever it had. They would take a portion out for seed because he provides seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And let me just tell you, if you're not one and the other, you're dead. Any way you work that problem. If you're a sower only and not an eater, you're dead. If you're an eater only and not a sower, dead. You'll live on handouts for a while, but you'll ultimately dead. You are a eater and a sower. You show me a person who is one or the other, and I'll tell you a person if I can't get them turned around with my hoof action. They're going to be dead. So you think, you wonder, why are you so hard, Andrea? Because I don't know when you're going to show up next. I may have, this may be my one shot, and baby, I'm going to take it. So see, this is where we're at. So there's two witnesses. Now you're back. They're count. Count those worshiping in it. Gosh, the voice of the prophetic. 
is going out in this land. I feel this. I can't get off of these scriptures. The Lord just won't let me. I've got another message that, about faith that is just going to blow your socks off. But I can't give it yet because I can't leave this yet. The message of the prophetic is going forth. And the message is to count though. Take a census. The Spirit of God is speaking to His prophets across the world. And they're saying, take count of those worshiping in the house of God. Who's worshiping in the house of God? It's a true observation. But see, the Lord knows the worship. He's looking. Oh, John 4. The spirit, God is a spirit. A spirit. What is a spirit? The, just the textbook definition of a spirit. Nope, don't, don't pay attention to this. That's not, that's not giving you a hint. Textbook definition of a spirit. It's not this hard. You're making it harder. It is a bodiless personality. That's the basic definition of a spirit. A being without a body. God is a. So a spirit. Now, how could we, body dwellers, how many of you dwell in a body? That should be 100%. So how could we possibly, we who, work, who live in a body, ever comprehend a being who doesn't? He will make himself known to you. Excellent. How did he do that? John 1.18. John 1. Let's just start there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The same was in the beginning with God. There was nothing, and all things were made by the Word, and there was nothing made that the Word didn't make. In him was life, and in, that li in him was light, and that light was the life of men. Go on down to John 1.18. Jesus, the exact image of the Father, he came to explain him. How did God make himself known to people who live in a body? He sent, he took his son and he put him, his essence, he put all, he put him very self, his very self into a, into the human reproductive system. And he started from there. And a woman, a virgin who had never known a man, carried him in her womb. And she, her body did what bodies have done from the beginning to grow babies. Men, you don't know nothing about this. And that, that body grew until her body became aware of another body. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? 
And you're like, yeah, get this body out of me. How many of you know, when, when you get that, that full term, you're like, that baby's kicking. You can see his foot on your stomach, and you, you can see the actual outprint of his butt. Elbows, head, you're like, oh, gosh. You are aware you've got another human fully formed inside of you. That was, that was Jesus in Mary. So God took his very essence... His spirit, his very personage, Jesus' very God of God and man of man, and totally submitted himself to the full gamut. He was born with an umbilical cord that was cut off by Joseph, probably. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes and laid in a manger. God. Peace on earth. That's what, the, that's what the declaration was. Hey, guys, guess what? What? Peace is on earth. What? What do you mean, peace on earth? It wasn't like, peace. It wasn't just a declaration. It was the proclamation that peace had just now landed on earth. The Prince of Peace has been laid in a cow's stable. Surrounded by oxen. That's just a little bit different for you. And so we understand that when God wanted to make himself known, he could tell you who he was by the word, and he did with the Torah. He used words written on tablets of stone by his own finger. Words. The Ten Commandments are called the Ten Words. He made himself, that's the way to reveal a person is by your words. When I get a phone call, hello, it's Mike. Hey, his first hey, I know who it is. I know he's identified by his word. I can identify a person I know by their word, and they can tell me. And if I didn't know who it was, hello, yes, this is so-and-so from so-and-so, and this is what I want. I don't see their body, do I? I assume they have one. But they identify who they are. They identify their person by their words coming in my ear. See, that's how God revealed himself first was at the Torah, the word. And that's the word became wrapped itself in flesh. See, the word is the written or oral expression of who God is. Jesus is the living expression of who God is. He came to explain or exegete in Greek the Father. Here's a newsflash for you guys. The Father is no longer invisible. They that worship Him, God is a spirit. I thought I got lost too. They that worship Him. Have to worship 
in spirit and in truth. You are not a worshiper if your lifestyle does not involve spirit and truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. He is looking. When Jesus' body left the earth, Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. How will they ever know who God is, right? Jesus' body left the earth. No one's going to know who God is. He doesn't have a body on earth. Or does he? The church is his body on earth. If I can't talk you into being a part of the body, I'm not going to get you to heaven. Because he's going to come take his, I think I burnt my jacket. He's going to come take his body off planet. And only those who are part of his body are the ones he counted as worshipers. This is great, y'all. I'm enjoying this too because I didn't have this revelation prior to walking up behind here. Well, that's exactly right. So we're just going to move on. Do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave it out because it has been given to the nations. God's like, why do the people rage in the heathen? Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a, ba- a vain thing? The kings of this earth have made their stand against the Lord and against his anointed. He who sits enthroned in heaven laughs. Ha 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 ha. Give all that to the nations. But Lord, I can hear the divine counsel. But Lord, they're going to act badly. Yeah, I know. But my body. My body is going to be going forth into all the world. And they're going to be casting out the net. And they're going to be drawing up every kind of fish. And they're going to be drawing up every kind of sea creature of nation. And they're going to bring them in and we're going to count them in as worship. They're going to be a part of that census because of what you do, Tommy, but because of what you do and what I do and what you've done and what generations have done before us. Thank God somebody did it or y'all wouldn't be here if it never got out. This is my problem. This is my, this is what I hear the Spirit of God saying. You're going to have to become a person who actually, actually preaches the gospel because you are his body on earth. You're his mouth, you're his hands, you're his his feet, you're his heart. That's how he's going to make himself known. That's how he's going to make himself known. It's you. And you. We can't outsource it all to the pastor. He is magnificent. He really is. I don't give false compliments. It would be hard to live with me. I think many of you probably know that by now. 
Look at John. <laughs> I'm not offended by that. I know. I know. I mean, is, is there a different version of me up here than is at home? I mean, I get, there's something that gets in my mind, and this is exactly how I talk to him. I knock stuff over with my, I mean, I'm like doing this, and I'm knocking over pictures, and I'm like, oh, just focus on me. And if I think he's not listening, he'll look off, and I'll go, what are you looking at? I'm talking right here. Is that true? So he's magnificent, y'all know. I couldn't have married anybody else. They'd have killed me. Day three. Dead. Where's Andrea? Oh, no. But she's quiet. She, yeah. She ran into my knife. So that's the, that's the reality. And so here we are. They measure those. Don't measure them. The nations are going to be the nations are going to be the nations. We're getting to the very end right here with these guys. They're prophesying the last 42 months of this age as we know it. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses. Now, don't get hung up on two witnesses. Yes, there are two witnesses. There are two witnesses. But I firmly believe that these two witnesses, whoever their identity may be, I personally believe they're Moses and Elijah style. Not necessarily the people, but someone else in that type of anointing. Just the way John the Baptist was still John the Baptist, but he was in the anointing of the Holy Spirit styled ministry of Elijah. But I believe that the whole people who were on the planet at the time, whoever they are, the tribulation saints. The tribulation saints are going to be operating under an anointing where they are worshipers. You see why they're worshipers now? Because they don't have to worry about preserving their life. When you only got three and a half years left, either way, how many of you are precious about anything? You know what I mean? Like all of a sudden you're like, I don't know, should I take the mark of the beast and worship him and go to hell forever? Or just should I? See, it starts to become a winnowing. Starts to become a thoroughly purging the threshing floor. I, you say, Andrea, you think there's going to be a rapture? I do. I just don't know when it's going to be. And I don't know, according to my, my studies, if anybody in the American church is going to make it. I'm just kidding. Y'all are like, well, probably so. That's right. Now, I mean, I'm saying, I don't know that we've quite landed on actual worship yet. I think we are. Because the Lord is able to do, you know, I'm, I'm here with the disciples. I'm here with Peter, James, and John when he told the rich man how hard it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Do you know if you live in the United States of America, no matter how poor you are, you are rich? 
Even our homeless have good bridges to live under. That's right. We have it. It's better. Everything. We are rich. Do you know how much poverty the rest of the world lives in? And that even the most impoverished American is considered rich. How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And here I am with the disciples going, what they say, Lord, how can anyone be saved? He said, with man, he said, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven. Exactly. And so here we are in the Laodicean culture. Now, I know we use this scripture all the time. I do it. I hear Mike do it all the time. Just occurred to me the other day, Romans, uh, Revelation 3 and 10. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. We always use that talking to sinners. It's always an altar call for sinners. Right? That's what we always use it. I mean, that's how I've used it. It's how I've heard a million and one preachers use that. Exegetically, hermeneutically, that's the wrong usage of the scripture. Because he's not standing at the door of a sinner's heart knocking. That's not what the scripture... He's standing at the door of the church. He's standing at the door of a Laodicean culture saying, let me in, you're going to hell. You say you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, but I say you're poor, wretched, miserable, blind, and naked. Let me in, let me in, let me in, let me in. Hear the knocking with my words. You're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. I counsel you. He's standing at the door. I counsel you to buy of me gold tried in the fire. Anoint your eyes with eye salve that they may see. I don't know. Is he standing at the door of our localized body? That's good. I hope I'm working on your chaff this morning. Because he's taking, he's counting. One. Oh, two. I know Mike's going to make it because he's married to me. He's a saint already. Three. I don't know if I can count myself yet, though, right? If I'm a tribulation, am I the false prophet or the antichrist? I have no idea. So as we look at that, that's right. We can't. We got to be counted. That's right. Oh, so we look at this. I'm being funny, but I'm being so serious at the same time. So we have grants authority. It is. And I, you know what? I, I live in the same earth suit y'all all do. And there are not as many people in this place who have as much of a certain kind of personality that they have to get over as me. You know what I'm talking about? Or some people have, like I have three, I have three kids. My two girls, they were just, one was secretly, a secret, you know, sneaker, disobedient. The other would just look you right now and say, I won't do a thing you say, I do what I want. No secret. Then I had a son. He was, he was like the, I think he was the reward for not killing my, my girls. He's just naturally obedient. 
And I think I can't, you know, it's probably, I don't know, me and Mike both created, you know, I mean, how are we going to have naturally obedient people? But Jacob is just naturally obedient. So there's some people who don't, their personality is such. It's just a happier personality. You know what I mean? Then there are other people like me. How many know what I'm talking about? You just have a personality that has to be got over. Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like you may not like me at first, but you're going, those who know me best like me most. Stick around. It gets better, I promise. You just get used to it. Get numb. So here we look at this. We understand that the Lord is coming back for a church who's hearing his voice. of wor- He's counting worshipers. And these two witnesses, they have this power. And the Bible calls them there two olive trees. Two menorah that are standing before the Lord of the whole earth. See, there's an anointing. Two menorahs, lampstands. See, that's the purpose of the body, guys. It's not so you can become a Christian and he can make all your dreams come true. The purpose of the body, Jesus said it. He said, I am the light of the world. And then he hooked them. So we don't have a lot in the world now, right? Because a few chapters later, he said this. You are the light of the world. You're the menorah. You're the lampstand here right now. That's why when Jesus is walking among the churches, he's walking among the lampstands. And see, the, the olive oil, we, if we, I don't have time to go there, but please go to Zechariah the fourth chapter, and you will see there's a prophecy. In Zechariah, the angel comes, and he says, and he uses uh, Joseph, no, Joshua, the high priest, and Zerubbabel, the governor. And Zechariah says, y'all are the two anointed, y'all are the olive trees beside the menorah. What are the olive trees doing? They're making oil to supply the fuel And we see that Israel was a type of light, right? And then Jesus became the ultimate light. And then he left, right? And so, but he still has a light here. And it's this body. It's this lamp, all these individual lampstands. And we together make up a big lampstand in this area. But what good is a lampstand without oil? If you don't have the Holy Spirit anointing you, that's what you're anointed for. It's not to get rich. I already told you, you already are rich. You are. You're richer than 95% of the world. And that's what he's going to grade you on. That's it. Here we are. So the oil. He's anointed us to bring illumination. Draws the light up in. So that we can light the way. So in him was life. And that life, his life, the incarnation of God in the flesh. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. How's that math work like this? One plus one plus one equals one. That's 
That's how it works. They are so unified in essence and in presence, but they are distinct. But they are so unified in their working that they can only be called one. See, when God made Adam, here's a little one to blow your mind. When God made Adam, he made him. But you know what was in him? Eve was in him. So he took Eve out of Adam and made him two. And he said, when the two of you get together, one plus one will equal So that it would be an announcement to us how union works. That's why marriage is the most important instrument in the, in the world. However, a civilization sees to deem it, to honor it, and to make it legalized. It's because it's the building blocks of not just our civilization, but the whole of civilization. And it becomes the, the structure by which children are born and begin to populate the planet. And the greatest source of mental illness in our land is fatherlessness. It is. Everywhere time is it? we got 10 minutes, but I'm going to stop in. can't see that. Yes, five. So these two, they had the power. Now, I just want to show this. This is something I saw today, and I, I don't know. This is just something I'm going to, <clears throat> I'm just fleshing out, but I'm going to give you all what I'm thinking right now. And these two, verse 6, have the power to shut up heaven so that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. That's an Elijah-style anointing, right? And they have the power of the waters to turn them into blood. Moses. And to strike the earth here. And to strike the earth. These two. To strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they wish. Then I start thinking about that. See, when the seals are breaking and the trumpets are sounding, when the trumpets are sounding in heaven, the trumpets are sounding in heaven. What's being loosed on earth? Plagues. Plagues. I got to thinking. Not necessarily a plague. I got to thinking about these two witnesses being the earthly voice of the plagues that are being the trumpeted. You see what I'm saying? Do y'all get what I'm saying? The trumpets are blowing. That's a heavenly reality. That's angelic realm. A trumpet could blow right now in the heavenlies, and if you didn't have ears to hear, you wouldn't know it. It might sound to you like a thunder. It could sound, but to people who had ears to hear, they, that's what, this is what happened when Jesus, when God spoke from heaven. Some of them could hear it. Others couldn't. They could hear something, but it wasn't audible as far as it wasn't articulate. And some didn't hear it at all. That's who I'm talking to all the time. Jesus was too. Why would I think I wouldn't be? Those who have ears to hear. Those who have ears to hear. Those who have ears to hear. 
It is, and it's a, it's a matter of actually seeing our life for something that, could, could, if we could just see our life with any deficit. See, that's the hardest thing for people is actually seeing their life with deficit. Actually seeing their life as something that needs to go to the cross. See, Westerners see the cross as a threat. Because we think we're so good. But it's an invitation. The cross is the invitation to rid yourself of your worthless humanity. To rid yourself of the, of the chaff that is holding what is actually useful in your life at bay, hostage. And so when you try to nourish someone, it's like sticking a sunflower seed in someone's mouth and saying, keep it in there and chew it. It's good for you. They're going, how many of you know I'm talking about? There's some Christians, there's some of our witnessing that comes off like that because there's so much flesh in our life. It just leaves people going, that's what I do when I eat sunflower. It's how I eat sunflower seeds. I put it in my mouth and I chew them. And I'm like, and I go, and I just blow them out. The whole thing. I don't even know where the kernel's at. All I got is a flavor left in my mouth a woody flavor. And then if, and if, they, didn't have, and if they didn't have some sort of flavoring added to them, it wouldn't be enjoyable at all. So that's what a lot of mega churches have. I'm not going after mega churches. It could be a lot of, lot of minor, a lot of micro churches too. We think that we can just develop a flavor on our shell. And then we can pop it in people's mouths and tell them to chew. And then at first they're like, hmm, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I love this. Like the first time Lainey took communion, she said, Mom, can I take communion? She was like four. I said, yeah. I gave her the wafer. She crunched it and she went, ah, on the front row. The white. She wouldn't swallow it. I'm scraping wafer off of her tongue. She did not like that. She's like, I am not going any further in this communion service. But see, that's how much of our, much of our Christianity has been. We've just flavored our carnality with things that, you know, we get enough salt and lime, it tastes good. Chipotle, it tastes good. We get enough, you know, I don't know, what else do they flavor those daggum things with? You know, vinegar and salt. And we're like, oh, appeal. You know, I don't particularly like vinegar and salt that much. But you give me jalapeno and I'm all over it, right? So that's the way our churches have become. We got the jalapeno flavor over here. We got the salt and lime over here. We got the more bland over here. And so we're just handing it to people. But the reality is we can't see people transformed because it's just coated in our dadgum carnality. Because we won't go. We won't take ourselves to the temple, to the threshing floor. To actually become real witnesses and get rid of the carnality in our life so that the edible portion of the grain, the nourishing portion, the portion that people will come back for more. Because if they can just get a flavor at a church, they can get a flavor at the bowling alley. They can get a flavor at the bar. They can get a flavor at the amusement park. They can get a flavor at the mall. They can get a flavor anywhere that they want. But only God satisfies. And that's all of our job. 
I'm telling you, you get enough flesh off, people will be in love with you. We could change the reputation of Christianity. Because you know how I love people talking about Christians or churches are full of hypocrites. Because my first response is, so you know what a hypocrite is? Absolutely. What are you? I mean, the people, this is my, I, I was schooled in this. This is my family. They call them, my brother still does it. They call themselves a Christian. I heard my mother do it the other day. Yeah, and they call themselves a big Christian. What do you call yourself? Do Christians talk about people? Do Christians bite and devour their own body? Here's my little point right here. If you can find yourself, if you can put your teeth in another person in the body and you don't feel it, you're not attached. Because if I put my arm in my mouth right now and bite down, my nerve endings signal my mouth through my brain to stop, idiot. But if I bite your arm, I can, bite, I can bite through the bone. It won't bother me a bit. See, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. If you don't feel, when you're tearing up the body of Christ, if you don't feel it yourself, you might have a problem. How many of us want to get the shell off? Yet, Lord, clean a thoroughly, Lord, thoroughly purge your fleshing floor with unquenchable fire. Use your word and break off the chaff, God. God, change us into your image, for we love you. And we want, Lord God, to be counted, God, as true worshipers in Jesus' name. Amen. got to volunteer and it's seeker friendly they're trying to get people to come to the church and there's one guy that is sold out to the gospel and he's like uh church people it's oh my god you just gotta you have to start watching it thinking satire because if you don't you you go this is well i was like first five minutes like this is the stupidest and jane's over and just it's horrible. It's, I mean, they are just tearing down the way that ch- mega churches are and stuff. It is, they're going to crucify this. It's neat. Yeah, yeah. A pie. When we're talking about Christianity, and that's how I understood Christianity.